Alright everybody, welcome to another episode of All Access. I am your host, Trenton Warsham for Soundlink Magazine, soundlinkmagazine.com. You can find us on all our socials at Soundlink Mag. And yeah, I'm your host, but potentially in the future we'll have another host, and she is on the phone right now to do this little episode with us. Um, her name is Emily. She's from North Carolina, and she's going to be helping us out, working on this show, producing it, making it sound better, and all that cool stuff. And so, Emily, um, just tell people who you are and uh, some stuff that you're into, because I think they're going to be hearing your, your voice a little bit more often. Hey, so my name is Emily. I currently live in Greensboro, North Carolina, but at the end of the month, I'm going to be relocating to Ocala, Florida. I am an audio engineer. Um, I have been doing recording stuff since I started going to school for it in 2012. Um, I listen to all kinds of different music, um, but you'll probably hear me talking about what I've listened to a lot, so I won't bore you with that right now. <laughs> um, what else do you want me to talk about? <laughs> uh, just just keep going. That's, that's good. Yeah, so... Um... Yeah, so we're just chilling here, talking. And we were talking and stuff about music that we like to listen to. Um, a- after this, after this comes out, it- it'll be old news. But we're covering Carolina Rebellion this weekend, and I'm seeing Under Oath tomorrow on the No Fix tour, which I'm super stoked about. So that, jealous. So that, that's, yeah, <laughs> so that's my wheelhouse. I'm sort of like a post-hardcore metalcore kid or whatever. And then Emily's over here has been ragging on me because I haven't listened to a lot of '90s stuff outside of like NSYNC and Britney Spears and all that. So she'll probably want to educate but who doesn't <laughs> like old green day i don't like green day that much in general to be honest with you <laughs> but nimrod and dookie that's like classic shit like all the pop punks that we listen to now that's like stemmed from that yeah i, I know it, it's like how all the metal you know like metallica this metallica that yeah but i don't like metallica either like i don't like metallica either <laughs> like I, I have this thing where i i talk where i say that like classic just because a band is a classic band doesn't mean they're the best band like i don't care if acdc is a classic rock band they're absolutely boring to listen to you know what i mean like green day like i just don't i just think green day is boring i mean I'm gonna be basic and say I liked the American Idiot album, but other than that, like it was just. But everything before that was better. See, I don't. Uh, I don't know. Like, I, I think American <laughs> Idiot sounded more modern and more produced, and it just it just has like a more full of a sound instead of just like some random like old punk riff. But on if guitar. you think about it, and this is gonna be like coming from an audio perspective, if you think about like the '90s and the way audio is produced compared to just like a decade later. It's like insane how much in that short amount of time the technology advanced. Oh, yeah. So a lot of that stuff in the early 90s was, you know, all analog tape recordings and stuff like that. And now it's all digital and we've got replacement software and stuff like that. So it's it's kind of like, you know, in such a short amount of time, like a decade or so, the sound is so different. And I don't know, I mean, like their Green Day stuff like that might not have the best production sound, but I still like, I don't don't know, maybe it's just because I grew up listening to it, so I'm biased, but (laughs) it may like sound bad or like be what you think 
is kind of generic now, but it's funny because, like, what we listen to now kind of came from that in a way. Yeah. It's just that, like, every time you turn on the local radio station, rock radio station here, like, if I have to hear When I Come Around one more time being played on that or whatever that song is called, like, yeah. it's just... <laughs> Like, they, that's the stuff they play, just all those old songs. on the, And I'm just like, come on, play something good. Like, I don't want to hear, like, the same old, tired green <laughs> That's how song. it is with, like, Nirvana and, like, Bon Jovi and, like, all of those, like, classics, I guess. They, well, they just, like, withstand time. See, I can appreciate Nirvana more than the Green Day or whatever. I guess because they literally, I don't, I don't know, I guess they changed the industry more than than green day did like there like there was punk rock in the 70s and all that stuff like there wasn't what what green day was i mean not green day uh nirvana was back then or anything they kind of changed stuff and just even though like you know smells like teen spirits probably i'm gonna be basic and say that's my favorite song because all their other songs are just sort of more chill and i was shocked when i started listening to them more because because of that song that how chill their music actually really is I, I went back and watched a lot of videos of them on, like, the MTV specials from back then or whatever, and they were freaking throwing their stuff around. Like, it, I was like, dang, this looks like, this reminds me of, like, the stuff I listen to now, except not as heavy, but they're still throwing their stuff around on stage, which is pretty yeah. insane. So, it's come a long way. Yeah, it definitely has. I mean, and it's, like, it's another advancement that's happened, like, a lot of advancements in a short amount of time like yeah. the way music's written and the way bands have been evolving i guess off of each other yeah i didn't i mean there's some bands even even like unsigned touring bands who i didn't know this until like maybe a year ago that you like you can have something on your drum set or whatever to where when you hit like a tom or a snare or anything like that it, it triggers an effect in the computer for a digital sound. So, like, if you're hitting your snare drum, the the actual sound that you coming coming out in the speakers live is not the actual snare, but rather, I guess, like you said, a replacement thing that that's going through a yeah. computer. And so, like, you can play, you can yeah, get a normal uh... drum set and and play it live, but what you hear coming out of the speakers is not the actual drum set. It's something else, even though you're technically playing it. You know what I mean? That 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 yeah, like, that baffled so... me. Well, let me baffle you a little more. So, <laughs> there, Stephen Slate makes a software, a drum trigger software, and there there are other people, like other companies that make it this similar type of thing, but um, they actually go as far as to where they drop in room replacements. So, there's like studios around, you know, the world or country or whatever, and they are recording and sampling the room sound of that recording studio. So not only can you replace the drum sound of what's being triggered by what the drummer is playing with like a different kit drum sound, you can also drop that drum kit into another room in another recording studio and emulate that room sound so what you're saying is like you, you said you mentioned you're moving to ocala and stuff everybody knows the day to remember ocala all that cool stuff so yeah <laughs> we're, we're going to use that studio down there that andrew wade and jeremy have have been working on and stuff so you're telling me that somebody can sample the the room noise or whatever in that studio come to north carolina play track drums there and then drop that room noise 
And with yeah. that, so even though it's recorded maybe with like your buddy Kyle, um, Kyle O'Dell, he can replace that with Andrew Wade's drum studio, and it'll sound yes. like it's recorded in if, a completely different place. If it's like a software that obviously they've taken the time to sample and emulate, um, I think Andrew Wade just released something where he may have some kind of drum software. Um, but you can also replace the microphone like position you can and you can just do like a microphone in the kick drum you can also do like outside the kick drum too. oh yeah i think i think garage band's can... been doing that for a bit too I've, I've messed around in garage band before and i think with the amps with the guitars and everything like you can yeah yeah you, it's you, all simulation yeah you can you can move i think that's been around for a bit like you can move the little microphone around yeah. and get different effects and stuff which is Pretty cool, considering that like just a, a simple software like GarageBand, in, in comparison to Pro Tools or whatever, like you can still do that much. Even what I'm using now for this podcast, Adobe Audition, like it, you can still do like a guitar amp on here <laughs> and everything, which is which is yeah, insane. Yeah, I mean, there's like interface type of things that people use, like guitarists use to replace their whole pedal board where they won't have any pedals but they will have like a like Kemper like a interface that goes into the computer and then has an audio out or whatever or into the amp or whatever and all of that stuff is simulated pedals and um it's the same kind of thing to where that advancement has come along so quickly in a short amount of time that it's like that kind of stuff used to be only in like pro tools like back in the day that you know that kind of stuff used to not be available in as easy of access as it is now like in garage band yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna throw this last little bit in there and then we can get to our guest who is lauren from the hardcore band sharp tooth before we get to her like last thing i'll say about all about the technology thing is that what just watching just within eight years or yeah it's been eight years basically since you know between under oath records and in 2010 on their disambiguation dvd they had chris in the studio playing around with like an original like i guess the ipad was new back then the original ipad he was playing with sounds on an app or whatever moving his fingers around to get all these samples and stuff and then now with with their new record erase me if you go and watch the documentary or some of their studio clips he's on a phone doing it and matt their producer is just like you're doing it on a phone and so just, just in eight years, he goes from this big, blocky, thick iPad to, like, yeah. a phone recording the stuff for the, for the Under Oath record, which is, which is insane. And so, but yeah, Lauren is coming up. We get into a lot of stuff about feminism and hardcore and, and just all cool, all, uh, yeah. <laughs> just a lot of other cool topics and stuff regarding what their band stands for, what they're about, and, and the wild journey they've been on already in just a short time of being a band. And so... We're gonna we're gonna cut out of here for a little bit and we'll bring Lauren on. Shut up! We've heard enough laughter to die! 
doing great uh had to work today and so that was that's life but yeah so other than that True. Doing pretty good but um yeah so um your, your band's been doing really well this year after releasing your album last year doing some awesome tours and everything so um i'm always Thank looking you. for not only just you know big names but you know people who are coming up such as your band and stuff but who also offers something different which i think your band does you guys have a lot to talk about which is sometimes rare to find these days and so um, a little bit, I guess, about your band and stuff, so, you know, how this whole thing come together, because I found you guys, I think, a couple months before you signed to, to Pure Noise and stuff, and so I was there when you guys announced the signing, and I was like, oh, snap, this is cool, you know, I've been, you know, following this band nice. for a little bit, so, yeah, so what's yep. the whole story there with the band, and how did you get into this? Um, like, with getting signed, or just in general? Oh, well, the whole, I guess the whole story <clears throat> with, like, you getting into it. The and, whole story. Yeah. So, uh. I've been a, a very active member of like the Baltimore uh, hardcore and metalcore scene for like the last like fifteen years. So um, I've been in other bands, but my my old when my old band was like winding down, uh, Sharp Tooth asked me to be their vocalist, and so I said yes, and I said I want to write heavy and. You know, when I talk, when I brought up like, oh, maybe we'll do like some songs that are like about more like feminist topics. They were like, no, no, no. That's why we asked you. I'm like, oh, okay, sick. Let's go. <laughs> you know, you never fucking know when yeah. how I was honestly just stoked to be getting involved with a band that was active and doing something and that wanted to be doing things. So I was kind of like, I don't want to push my luck. But then when I realized I'm like, oh they're down like they're about what I'm about sick I can write whatever the fuck I want um then yeah which is what we did and uh we wrote Clever Girl in oh man we we wrote that record and recorded it in 2016 and then released it by ourselves in February of 2017 I sent it personally to like 30 record labels. No one fucking responded to me. And oh, wow. I, oh yeah, I like, I'm sure that they either a didn't even read the email or B just like, didn't like read the email. What? I don't know the fuck that is. And then didn't <laughs> listen to the record. So I, I guarantee you that fucking no one listened to our music, but uh, the way that we got signed was in April of last year. Um, my buddy Davey from Vanna, uh, hit me up and was telling me that he wanted to start managing bands. And uh, he goes, he goes, I thought Sharp Tooth had management. You guys have been touring everywhere. Like, what's going on? I'm like, no, I, that's me. I'm it. Like, Sharp Tooth <laughs> is his own management. And he's like, oh, shit. Well, do you want to work together? I was like, yeah, that could be cool. And, uh, like, within that span of 20 minutes that we had that conversation, and he told me to send him a bunch of info on Sharp Tooth. He told us to send him the record. Um, like, 20 minutes later, he's frantically calling me, being like, Lauren, Lauren, I need you to, I need you to pick up your phone right now. Somebody <laughs> wants the record. I'm like, wait a minute, what? Like, we ain't even officially working together. And you, okay, all right, I'm here for this. Awesome. So, so yeah. And uh, within a week, we'd gotten on the phone with Pure Noise, and uh, and uh, within the month, we'd signed to them. So, it's been really, really awesome. And Davey's amazing. 
Pure Noise is fucking amazing. I love them. They back the shit out of what we do, which is awesome. Like, we don't have to worry really about, like, I don't know, being too political or whatever with them, which is sick. They were actually the ones who wanted us. So um, we have a song called Fuck You, Donald Trump. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, yeah, we're very <laughs> delicate in our politics now. Um, so the the title that we actually, so when we released our record in February, that the title of that song was Red Lies. And uh, okay, okay. The, working, the working title for it was Fuck You, Donald Trump. That was like the thing that was like attached to the file because like we knew what it was, but we're like, oh, the, the actual, the polish put it on the record title is Red Lies. But when I sent Davey the files, it still had the working title attached to that file. And so that's what they thought the song name was, like, oh officially. <laughs> so I messaged it. I'm like, I'm like, that's not the name of the song. <laughs> I was like, wait. <laughs> and they were like, no, 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 no. They love it. I'm like, oh, okay, then. All right. Well, <laughs> I was like, I wow. hope you know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, yes. They said they learned how many Trump supporters uh, followed Pure Noise the day that they released that song. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Like, they said it was a surprising number. A lot of people got mad. It wow. <laughs> yeah, it's the same thing with uh, Straight From The Path, because they had that song, Good Night, Alt Right, and then, you know, they were talking oh. all that, and then that just blew up in the comments on YouTube, too. So it seems like a lot of people aren't really, I guess, digging, you know, these heavy bands talking about their stuff, because, you know, this flows into what you guys we're doing or are doing now with a uh, census fail and stuff like you know even for a while buddy was on twitter you know talking all you know talking about a bunch of different things and people were giving him a lot of crap for it and too so it's interesting that yeah so they're selling out venues all over the country right now so they're not yeah. really hurting for it yeah <laughs> and i just... mean same, like we just went out with anti-flag and stray so yeah. like there's definitely people who agree with our sentiments and it's interesting because you mentioned youtube so the way that the human mind works is that if something, if you like something, you're just going to passively enjoy it. Typically, you're not generally going to take the time to remark on it. If you watch a video on Facebook or whatever, and it was like a funny or cute video or whatever, you're like, oh, that's cool. And you're just going to move on with your day. But if you don't like it, that's going to provoke an inflammatory response, especially if you feel like that video is saying something that attacks you yeah. or attacks your beliefs then you're going to say something. And that's why the overwhelming majority of comments on anything are going to be negative because yeah. that's human nature to res to respond if something negative is directed at you. But if it's something positive, it's just kind of like, oh, okay, neat. Then you move on to the next thing because you didn't really feel any particular way about it. So that's why, like, pretty much any comment section on any video, you're going to find shitty terrible fucking comments <laughs> that's, that's true, why yeah that's why people say that the youtube comments are the worst fucking place in the world you can google you can look up literally anything on youtube and it will be like you could look up a video of someone tying their shoes and there will be negative fucking comments <laughs> on that video i'm telling you do it it's an experiment it's a thought experiment everyone go and do that find yeah. the most innocuous <laughs> thing or that or that cat didn't run in a circle the right way fuck that cat or something <laughs> Uh, like cat videos i mean like i don't fucking like cats so i'm the asshole on the cat video being like fuck this cat no i'm kidding i'm kidding i would never do that well, i'm of the opinion that no one gives a shit what i think okay unless i'm saying it with a with a band so like if it's like negative like shit like who cares what i don't fucking like 
Yeah. If I like something, now I have the opposite viewpoint. If I like something, I want to tell everybody that I love it. Exactly. Because everybody needs more positivity in their life. Exactly. But if I don't like something, who gives a fuck what I like? <laughs> no one. I barely give a fuck <laughs> what I like. <laughs> so no one else wants to hear what I don't fucking like. So it's like if I, you know, if you don't yeah. have something nice to say, don't say anything. Yeah, well, something so you do this- like, which I did want <laughs> that I do know you like and that's something that I love too and that I wanted to talk about is you do have references to like uh, um, Jurassic Park. Every and, uh, dinosaur movie ever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I grew up absolutely loving dinosaurs, Line Before Time, Jurassic Park. Like I loved all that stuff. So oh, yeah. how did you come up with the, uh, you said Sharp Tooth is already the band name, right? Yes. Okay. That was one of the reasons I was like, oh, I'm, I'm intrigued. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So how have you I'm, taken like those dinosaur those aggressive predatory prehistoric animals you know all that stuff especially you know the pred you know the raptors and all that stuff and t- turned it into mm-hmm. these uh very pro-feminism you know songs you know obviously being clever girl but you know there's some other ones on there too that have these topics on there so how did how did you align the whole i guess the what we know about dinosaurs with the with the feminist movement and stuff so uh i've I sometimes tell people that shark tooth is just my attempt at self-actualizing my desire to be a velociraptor. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I like, I love dinosaurs as a kid too, but I kind of like never grew out of it. Yeah. And I carried over into like my professional life. I don't, I obviously don't work with dinosaurs. They're dead, <laughs> but I work with crocodiles, which are, Similar in a lot of ways. Anything, I love big, scaly reptiles. So I work with crocodiles. I work with big snakes, um, big lizards. And so for me to get to have an opportunity to craft, to lyrically craft a record that draws on some of those references that I love and I know that other people love, but to also do it in a way that makes sense. So especially the Velociraptor theme in a, in Jurassic Park, all of the dinosaurs are female, um, which is kind of, which is like, kind of like a sly, like feminist thing, I think. Yeah. It's kind of like, oh, look at all these men who thought that they could control nature and all these female dinosaurs being like, bitch, no, <laughs> you thought, you fucking thought. So... I don't know. I always, I felt like that was very powerful, uh, like femme imagery, especially considering the fact that like, these are like giant, scary, roaring creatures, which is not something that people usually associate with femininity or women. And I'm like, why not bring that imagery into it? Why not give women, you know, that kind of like mythical creature to aspire to like, like, we don't need to just aspire to just be, like, mermaids or banshees or whatever, which both are super cool. But why not giant dinosaurs that want to rip your face off literally stomp out the patriarchy? Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah. Uh, and, I mean, I wanted to tie it into the name, like, Sharp Tooth, too, because, obviously, dinosaurs. So, yeah, I had way too much fun with that. <laughs> yeah, another thing I just thought about, too, is I forgot which Jurassic Park movie it is, and... Um, I want to say I, it, it's a direct quote. I think something with the way they made the dinosaurs uh, with the DNA in the movies is they said they could like transition between male and female when it came to mating, but then they would go back to female, which is pretty cool too, because that means they absolutely don't need a male dinosaur at all because they can go between you know whatever they need to do to to reproduce. So, yep, 
So there's also like far as Jurassic Park quotes go, there's some there's some great uh, like feminist quotes in there. Um, was like man creates dinosaurs, yes. dinosaurs eat man, uh, woman inherits the earth. Yeah, which I kind of fucking loved. <laughs> and, that, and that was like that was like early '90s too. So that was you know. Well, it was like that was like the age of girl power. I mean, yeah. that was when the Spice Girls were a thing. Like that's when it started. To, that's when girl power became like a cool thing. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. And so, so it kind of makes sense. Yeah. So like, take the aggressive nature of those dinosaurs, put it with this music, and um, what what is your musical influence? Because I hear a lot of you know when I listen to it, you know, I grew up, you know. Tooth and Nail, Solid State, Under Oath, The Chariot, Norma Jean, O Sleeper, bands like that. And, you know, mm-hmm. y- your band Sound has a lot of that chaotic Norma Jean, you know, s- Every Time I Die, Southern metalcore type of stuff to it. So um, what, yes. what were some of the influences that sh- that the band, I guess, has musically? Uh, and w- what are some of the influ- influences you have vocally, to, you know, with your screaming and all that stuff as well? Um, so musically, yeah, you nailed a lot of important ones. Every Time I Die is a huge one. Uh, we're all huge ETED fans. Um, also we like to draw, we draw on a lot of like melodic hardcore, like comeback kid, um, stick to your guns, uh, all bands that have like hooks and, uh, catchy choruses. And that's something that we have in some of our songs. Um, we've been drawing like some of like the more modern bands, like knock loose and like okay, yeah. modern, like straight up hardcore in some of our writing. Um, who doesn't love a good fucking mosh part? Like <laughs> we we do. So for me, vocally, um, I've always obviously really inspired by Keith Buckley. Um, he's, I think, one of the greatest lyricists of all time. And actually, I think Every Time I Die is one of the greatest bands of all oh, time. Oh, yeah, for now, sure. They're not necessarily my favorite band. So my favorite band, Stick to Your Guns, um, they're a huge influence for me. I talk about them all the time. Okay. Uh, they were one of the first bands that I saw outside of like punk shows in high school when people would talk about songs a lot between sets, they were the first like more like mainstream modern heavy band that I saw talking about their songs in between sets. And that was huge for me because, you know, if you're at a show and you're seeing a band live for the first time, you don't know the words, you don't know what the fuck they're talking about. So if they tell you it basically, Jesse talks a lot and he tells you why you should give a shit yeah, and why you should be listening and why you should pay attention. And that just has always really struck a chord with me. And uh, it's something that I carry over into my own performances is I, anyone will tell you I've spent half the fucking set talking, but it's important (laughs) because especially if like, you know, we're playing shows where we are the only heavy band or like, so people aren't going to know the lyrics. Um, I want people to understand the activism behind what we're doing because for me that's just as important as the songs so we we take time for that because it is an important thing we feel to take the time for um also super heavily influenced by jason butler from let live and his physicality when he performs oh my god yeah his use of the whole room as a playground i love that idea and i do that sometimes too um yeah our live shows get kind of crazy and chaotic, so people okay. have mentioned people have mentioned Converge and the Chariot uh, in likening our live shows sometimes. But those yeah, are those very are two probably... very influential bands to be compared to. So that's that's a I, I, awesome I, compliment. Well, <laughs> anytime anybody mentions like any of the bands I just listened to in reference to our band, I cry, and I'm a huge crybaby. So like. <laughs> 
Yeah. I cry. Anytime someone's nice to me, I cry. Oh. Uh, <laughs> because the world is a cold, dark place, and I'm not always used to people being kind, which is kind of a fucked up thing to say, but hey. Yeah. Now, something, um, something about your live shows uh, <clears throat> that I just want to ask about real quick that just popped in my head is that I've noticed, you know, with, you know, a lot more... Um, I don't, I don't know how to just, I don't want to say female friendly because, you know, basically most bands today are female friendly in terms of, you know, treating women right instead of being, you know, hateful or whatever. But when it comes you to You like, say that and that's not even necessarily true. Okay. But go on. Okay. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll go on. There's I'll still explain. bands. Okay. That, <laughs> okay. So. Well, I was just um, going to say there's. Yeah, go you ahead. You go first. I'll go. <laughs> All well, right. I was just gonna, <laughs> I was just going to say, even though I feel like even bands that are friendly towards women, um, they can, there's still bands that can be doing better, uh, better use of their language, more effective use of their language, okay. not using slurs that demonize women, even if they're not sexist people. Like, that happens a lot. And I've had to, like, talk to people about, like, hey, like, it'd be cooler if you said something else instead of that because it makes it more inclusive, and that's always a good thing. Yeah. So I think that literally everybody, including me and including femme-fronted bands, are, we always need to be working better to be better. Okay. It is a better atmosphere than it used to be, that's for sure. But there's still tons of fucking work to do, and we we all out here doing it. And there's lots of <laughs> yeah. great bands full of awesome dudes who are committed to getting better too, and that's really fucking sick. Okay. So yeah. So yeah. So where, where <laughs> I was going, where I was going with that was, with that being said, you know, you know, you know. I'm seeing more and more girls, you know, getting into, you know, pits, you know, these days, you know, than, than what I used to growing up going to shows. And even more so when there's like a female fronted band or an all girl hardcore band, they just go absolutely crazy, you know? And so have you, after, yeah. after you have, you know, mentioned what a song's about, you know, if it's about this or that, have you seen a stronger female response from the girls who were there going, getting into it versus, you know, probably just standing off to the side before they heard what that song was about? Oh, yeah, especially um, I'll never forget during we played a show in Pittsburgh, uh, one of the last shows on our tour with Anti-Flag and Stray. And before we our set closer for that whole tour was a song called Clever Girl, which is kind of like our feminist anthem. Yeah. And uh, I talk a lot about how, you know, like this is your space, like women need to feel like they can take up space at shows. We need to feel like we can be big, loud, strong, proud, all of those things. Um, Cause there's still tons of things in our society that tell us not to be, that tell us to shrink, that tell us to make ourselves smaller, that tell us to shut up, that tell us to shrink our fucking bodies, to make other people feel comfortable. And seeing people's responses to that is always really exciting like hearing like the women in the room cheering because they feel represented is just the most gratifying thing in the world and at that show specifically I remember I climbed up onto a balcony I'm looking down into the pit and the pit is like 60% girls just tearing shit up and I was like this is the I'm like this is this is it like these are people who feel represented and feel like this is their place to mosh and then no one's going to fucking stop them. And that's so sick, especially coming from, like, you know, when I first started going to shows, like, 15 years ago, people would say shit like, no clit in the pit. Yeah, and that's fucked. Yeah. So it's, it's so heartening and encouraging to feel like these women are getting a space that I didn't necessarily feel like I had and are claiming it as their own. And that's fucking awesome. It yeah. took me fucking 15 years to 
to be where I'm at doing this. And it, I mean, probably to, it took me like for me to feel like, Oh, like the pit is like, there's still some shows that I go to and I've moshed at and been like, yeah, I don't feel fucking welcome here. So until yeah. that changes, we also got work to do. Yeah. Another, another topic I wanted to touch on is I was listening to it again today, the record, and it didn't hit me the first time in it, but I heard it today. Um, I believe it's a song about, um, about gay rights and stuff. And, there was one lyric where he said, you know, you call the person faggot, you bullet to their head, bullet to their head. Then you start saying bullet to my head, bullet to my head. And so yeah. uh, what is your band's relation to that community? Or and is there any representation within your band that that was speaking out about as well? Oh, yeah. So the lyric is every time that you say faggot is a bullet through my head um, yeah. as a queer person. Uh, so we have multiple members of our band who are queer. Um, we have members of our band who are not cisgendered. And so this is a really, really important issue for us, especially like as a bisexual person. And like, we are so often erased in the discussion about people's sexuality rights. People make a lot of assumptions about bisexuality and uh, often we're not included in that conversation. So that song in particular for me, I wrote it about the Pulse nightclub shooting. I wrote it in the wake of that because of how strongly affected I was by that because I'm, I'm not straight. And I've been in places that are supposed to be safe spaces for queer people like me. And to, to feel like that's been violated for members of my community is fucked. Yeah. And I, I just felt like literally shaken to my core. Like I'm not safe in this world. You know, I like live in a super liberal community in Baltimore, and so I've had the illusion of safety, um, at least here, for a very, very long time. Same with being a Jewish person, especially in recent years. Um, like, being Jewish has never been, like, that big of a fucking deal. But now we got fucking Nazis marching in the streets. Oh, yeah. So it's, yeah. Like, so it's like suddenly a lot of the things that I kind of, like, parts of my identity that I took for granted because of where I lived... Um, it's like I suddenly feel like I have a fucking target on my back and it's scary. And that's an experience that people who haven't lived in safe communities like me have experienced for their entire fucking lives. And so I wanted to draw attention to that and the way that our, the use of our language, that's what that line refers to. So the language that we use can either do good or do harm. And when you're using language that marginalizes people, it contributes to a culture that marginalizes people because our culture is created through the ways that we communicate with each other. So when you're, if somebody's throwing around slurs, like, like faggot, um, even if they're joking, like they're just like, Oh, well, I don't actually hate gay people. It's just how many of my boys joke, whatever. Like we're not homophobic. You never know who hears that. Yeah. You never know which of your boys you're joking with might be closeting themselves because they feel like you don't like you don't accept them yeah, or like that you're going to marginalize them. So it's like, you just never know. And you never know who's going to hear those words and think, Oh, my hate is justified. I'm not the only one who feels that way. So that's what that song is about. It's, it's looking for the roots of that hatred and seeing the ways that we can stop it before it becomes a bullet in my head, someone else's head. Yeah. You know? Okay. So that's what that song's about. Awesome. It's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like your band has a lot to say, which you know, you know, while I do enjoy some bands, you know, who 
you know, just talk about, you know, hanging out, you know, goofing off, whatever, and not really taking them themselves too seriously. I do see that oh, also yeah. there needs to be a band that, such as yours, that has a lot to say to, you know, talk to people like myself who did grow up in a conservative culture. And, mm-hmm. you know, as we grow, you know, have bands are like, okay, I have this opportunity to talk to people in bands like this and, under, you know, and understand, you know, some of the stuff that they're talking about as well. And so I really think, you know, Hell bands, yeah. I really think bands, you know, such as yourself, you know, are needed. I think bands, you know, Thank you. have something to say are needed. And so long term, you know, you talk about being a scene for 15 years or so, you know, if, if everything goes right, and you're doing this 15 years from now, you know, Sharp Tooth is still, you know, I know. Strong. Oh, God. Where do you where do you, where do you like want to see this band? Where do you want to where do you want this band, I guess, to leave a mark on this scene or, or what are you hoping to see happen and stuff? I feel like at the very, very least, I want all the little teenage girls that like we see at our shows like to go, oh, I can do that. And then to start their own band. Because, or like, if that's the only thing that we accomplished, we did something incredible because representation is so important. Because at the end of the day, I'm one woman. I'm one queer person. I'm one Jewish person. And my experience doesn't necessarily reflect that of all women or queer people or Jewish people, whatever. Um, It's just my experience. So when we have more voices of all different kinds of marginalized groups, we get a much more complete picture of what it is to exist as an individual in our society. Because, yeah, it's like not all women are necessarily going to agree with everything I say, and yeah. that's fine. And like, or like relate to it. Like, I'm sure there's a woman out there who's never been catcalled or whatever, and she's like, I don't get that. But, you know, there's a lot of people who do. And so I'm talking about things that. I hope other people can relate to. There's probably tons more experiences I haven't talked about that there's other people out there who could share their experience and that'll help other people relate to. Yeah. So it's really just all about making a more inclusive space, make, creating more representation in music for all different kinds of people and just making a world where, where people feel like they can see themselves in the art that they enjoy. Okay. Yeah. Because, it's kind of like, you know, when people were talking about, like, uh, like the new Star Wars movies and, like, there were a lot of guys getting fucking, like, butthurt that the, that the main character is a woman and there's a black guy. Where, where's the person who looks like me? <laughs> like, yeah. Well, white guys have been the heroes in everything forever. It's so, I can, like, can you imagine how exciting it is for a little girl or a little black boy to watch Star Wars and go, I'm the fucking hero. That's me. Yeah. That's so crucial. Like, when I was a kid growing up, there weren't a lot of, like, women role models that I looked up to. I actually, whenever I would play, like, games with, like, my friends, I would always be male characters because those were the cool, like, those were the cool superheroes. So I'd always be, like, the Green Ranger or whatever, like... Because the Green Ranger was the fucking coolest Power Ranger. Like, that's, you know, yeah. <laughs> that's who I wanted to be. And I want there to be, like, a femme Green Ranger, basically, for for all the little girls out there who, you know, want to kick ass and turn into dinosaurs, too, but don't want to have to wear <laughs> pink doing it, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Going back to Jurassic Park, you know, that's been a series that's always been very inclusive. You know, you had the first movies with, with you know, a good... Uh, it, there was a small cast, but, you know, you know they're different people represented that had major roles and then even with you know the jurassic world movie you know there is you know once again you know good representation of you know different people and stuff and so i've always that, that's something that's always stuck out to me too is that 
you know, there was always Ellie, you know, Jurassic Park, you know, and then going down the line, you know, she was yep. in a couple more movies. And then you had another, you know, you had another female in The Lost World who was way better than, than Malcolm was, you know, with handling stuff. So, um, yeah. Yep. And you had Blue, the raptor, yes. who is a girl. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, it's me. <laughs> so I think everybody just needs to watch a lot more Jurassic Park movies, and then you can you can come away with a lot of positive things from it. So but. I totally agree, <laughs> and it's like it's nice because it's like yeah, it makes it makes like that kind of thing accessible for like like everybody, like especially when it's like the characters are dinosaurs. It's like I don't need to worry about like if like they're wearing pink or whatever if they look like me. Like yeah, it's like they're dinosaurs and they're female, and that's sick. Cool. <laughs> awesome. So, uh, before I let you go here, what are some shows, tours, music? What, what's some stuff that's going on in the band's world that you can promote or want to um, tell people about right now? Um, we are we're writing our second full length record. That's in the works right now, which is very exciting. I'm not sure where we're recording it yet, but that will probably start being a conversation pretty soon. We're going on tour in May with Senses Fail and Lil Lotus, and then we are going to be on the entire run of the Vans Warped Tour. That's yes, right. yep. that includes that yeah. your date, whatever your fucking date is. We're on it, like <laughs> Charlotte, North Carolina, for me. So we might be. Uh, Fuck having, yeah! So we might be there doing a video one of these um, if, if, we're, if we're able to make it. So. Oh hell yeah! Come hang out with my sweaty ass. <laughs> <laughs> Men talk no shit. Dead men tell no tales. Dead men. Ha!